fascinated by what it takes to go from being a successful agent, a solo practitioner, to scaling a team and launching a successful brokerage. I caught up with Lee Atkins. Now, for him, the key to building a great team in brokerage is understanding that you can't do it alone, nor should you. After several years in production as a real estate agent, Lee started helping other teams and brokerages figure out how to scale. His consulting firm, Amplified Solutions, he helps real estate teams of all kinds establish structure, culture, strategies, what they need to break through to the next step. In this interview, Lee discusses the challenges and pitfalls of expanding your real estate business and why the key to growth is embracing not just your strengths, but also your weaknesses. Listen in. Hi, this is Tom Ferry, CEO of Tom Ferry, your coach. Hi, this is Bernice Ross. I'm the CEO of realestatecoach.com. Hi, I'm Lee Adkins from Amplified Solutions in Atlanta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Lee, I am so psyched to talk to you. This has been a little bit of a path. You know, I had, I've spoken to so many brokers that I respect that were discussing how they were able to level up. I mean, go to the next level and your name kept popping up. So I'm psyched to talk to you. Excellent. Thanks for having me. So, you know, one of the challenges that I see, I think across the board with any entrepreneur is like, what got you some success doesn't necessarily help you scale. So, you know, examples might be, hey, you're really good at sort of understanding opportunity and closing deals and like being opportunistic. But then when you're trying to scale a business, that's completely different. You've got to hire, you've got to train, you've got to put in systems. Tell me what you do to help folks that are dealing with that. So good, good question. So what we really do initially is a bit of an assessment um, to kind of figure out what what is this person actually good at? Yeah. Um, well, for one, what do they think they're good at? And then we actually go a little bit deeper and survey some people around them uh, generally and, and find out what other people actually think they're good at, which, as you might imagine, <laughs> is not always the same thing. That may be a little different. And when you say people around them, is, is this like their team members, their you know, other agents, that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, typically we actually ask for people that they work directly with okay. or people that know them personally. In fact, it, it's an anonymous uh, survey that we do, but it, we do ask uh, in which capacity they know them. So we can give a little weight to, you know, maybe more of a personal relationship or a personal and business relationship yep. uh, versus, you know, just a team member. So when, like, I know there's not always a typical, but what's a typical stage that a broker is in or what are difficult, uh, typical problem sets that they have when they yeah. come to you? Situations that we almost always encounter with people um, is that uh, kind of how you open. I mean, people people have had some some great success. They've gotten to a certain level. They've got some some people with them. Usually, a little bit of staff. You know, obviously some agents. And you know, nine times out of ten, I, I hate to actually just say this out loud, but they're they're just maybe not good managers. They're good leaders, and they're not good managers. 
um, or they're great at numbers and finances and, and all that, but maybe they, you know, aren't as good at marketing or, or whatnot. So yeah. it is, you know, in a, in a way, it, it's a little difficult to totally scale because there is some custom to it. But yeah. I think the overarching uh, premise is just kind of recognizing what you're good at and accepting it, whether whether you're you're hiring, you know, people don't typically learn to be good at, at a lot of things. I mean, I think if you're a, a numbers guy, you're probably not going to just become a great marketer. Yeah. But, you know, now more than ever, there are so many solutions to that, whether it, it's a, a VA, like a virtual assistant style, um, you know, somebody that works around the country, like a Fiverr style or yeah. a work style you know, a freelance person. So, you know, we're definitely in an exciting time where, you know, hiring to your weakness, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily a W2. Got it. Got it. And you I mean, you have a nice perspective. I mean, you were in this business for quite a few years. You were an agent. I got that correct. Yes. Yeah. I was an agent for almost seven years um, and had, had pretty good success at that. But, you know, quite honestly, um, what, part, what I loved about the business was the educational component and spending time, you know, spending a weekend in a car, with a nice family explaining to them how it all worked. I'm a planner, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, setting up next weekend's showings and then telling them, why don't you go home and think about it and call me tomorrow? We'll write up an offer. And those days, you know, clearly are long gone. So that I was really honestly getting kind of burned out when I felt like it was it was a race to get to a house that, you know, you couldn't you couldn't win. And I started looking for other opportunities. And, um, you know, that was where an opportunity to join up with the team here uh, in Atlanta and help them. You know, they, it was an existing team, but they really didn't have any structure or plan. Yeah. Uh, it was two super smart agents, super successful agents uh, that got together. And, and it was interesting because everybody said, you know, you can't have two people in your team. You can have two leaders. That's that's crazy. You know, how are you going to what if you don't get along? Yeah. But, um, you know, I kind of ended up being that that glue, I guess, of trying to, uh, you know, make make it all come together and figure out, you know, what was the plan and implement it. What So break it down for me and, and for the audience. What's different between coaching, which, you know, there's a lot of great coaches out there and what you do? Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest difference for us is that we really are somewhat custom in the approach. I mean, we do look at really what are you good at? What, you know, tools do you need or what tools do your agents need to go along that same path? And, you know, again, some of it's self-assessment and some of it is just having somebody tell you, you know, the hard facts that that maybe you don't want to hear, but nine times out of 10, they know, you know, I've rarely called someone and told them, you know, wow, I think we need to find somebody else to kind of manage these people. And they, you know, they're usually relieved. Okay. So the mindset of the broker that is, I'd say, willing to work with you, are they like, there's, it sounds like there's a lot of trust involved. Like they have to trust you to talk to their team when they're not around and then they have to listen to to the answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is, is, you know, I I hope we market ourselves this way, but you know, to to go back and answer your initial question, I think we are clear that it's a partnership and that, you know, they are really going to be, I, I, I wouldn't say we overtly hold them accountable, but, you know, in some level they're, they're paying money and we're telling them very specific things to do, um, you know, to systematically get there. And I think that that's something that anybody, um, you know, who's listening or is in the business can really take away. It's just a, a bit of that systematic 
plan. You know, one of the things I tell people as a new agent, you know, people ask me as a new agent, what should I do? And you just want to make sure that your presence is there before you start prospecting. You don't want, you know, you don't want to spend half a day calling people and telling them how great you are and you're in the business now and you're ready to rock and you don't have a picture on Zillow. Yeah. Got it. So get your, get your, I call that like, a, you know, your personal branding foundation, which right. is, Hey, you need to be able to be found. You need to make sure that your social profiles are consistent. You have a decent picture. You have a website, you have a way to respond to people. You capture, right. you capture email. doesn't need to be fancy. Right. Okay. That all makes sense. So let's say, walk me through a scenario. I'm a broker that has gotten some, you know, consistent production. I make money. I have a couple of agents or, you know, five agents and I've got an assistant. Right. What, what do you do for me? Well, a lot of times uh, I find that those people either in a boutique brokerage or in a team are, are often still in production. And okay. that is far and away the most difficult shift to, you know, are people, are they going to do it like me? You know, that that's just kind of the mindset, whether it, whether it's a control thing. You know, nine times out of 10, I find that 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 broker is really, I mean, they got to this point. They're clearly good at something, you yeah. know, and, we, and that's the other thing I think that we take into account is we don't want to shatter that. There is yeah. some magic that they bring to the table. They just need to, you know, shift pro probably a mindset more than anything. But yeah, nine times out of 10, you know, we come, um, you know, having people in production and they can't make that transition from selling to being a leader or being an owner or whatnot. So some of it's working with the agents to, you know, be stronger or otherwise instill confidence. Yep. Uh, which a lot of times, quite frankly, is telling the agents, "Hey, go go book some time with the leader. You know, go tell them you want to go on showings with them. Go. You got to show them that they, you know, that that you can handle this, or for them to hear what you say to people, and then they'll be confident and happy to refer you the business. Got it. So you and then we set right, and then we set the owner up to be be prepared to, you know, kind of receive them properly. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Say yes. When they call you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Do you, I mean, sort of a guess that I have is that you do some sort of assessment of the entire team as well. Um, what does that look like? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. It, it varies to some degree, but you know, obviously your disc profile, your strengths finder, um, you know, it's really interesting. I think a lot of times you find that, I don't know what you would call this, just naturally, whether it's like a law of attraction or what it is, you have these different personalities that that all contribute different things. And so uh, similar to what we said before, just, just being cognizant of that, of almost just saying, hey, you know what? This person is not motivated that way. This person is not motivated by the fact that you know, the other person is selling four times what they're selling. You know, that doesn't, some people aren't motivated that by, way. By that kind of competition. <laughs> right, so right. Give me some examples there, because that's really interesting. So you're saying that, you know, you've got these individual contributors on your team, and if you're trying to motivate all of them the same way, I compete against each other, that's not going to be effective across the board. What are some other ways that people are motivated that you see? Um, good question. You mean the actual ways? Yeah. Like, okay. So some people besides, are motivated by, production. yeah, some people are motivated by money, but, but demotivated by competition. Some I, people are, are motivated by, you know, recognition. Right. Yeah. So what are those things? An interesting example we've had lately is I've been working with somebody who's really actually a few people who are really strong on social media. 
Um, and they've, you know, made conscious decisions to come up with a little more of a social media plan. You know, the thing that's interesting to me about the social is that people are, are so close to being good at it. People will post, you know, that they're doing real estate or here's a listing. But, you know, a lot of times they just don't don't wrap up with a call to action or they don't. There's not the the final leg of the, hey, come to my open house and say hello, or I'm going to be at the office from three to five today if you want to stop in and ask me some questions. Yeah. You know, they're checking into the office and then people like it. And then, you know. And then what? I mean, maybe that's branding, but it's certainly not, um, you know, going to generate business for you. But I think, you know, a lot of people are, are motivated. A lot of the people I think that are not motivated by production or volume are actually more motivated by the group. Got it. So it's kind of a strange caveat in that they don't want to be they don't want to be compared to the group, but they want to be included in the group. Oh, so interesting. Okay. It, it's a really strange kind of kind of you know dynamic to have. But again, I, I think having all the I mean, you don't want to have ten type A personalities that are all trying to be number one, or you're not going to retain people either. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So you, you come in, you do an assessment of whoever's hired you, like the broker that wants to move from production right. into and typically a boutique, obviously a lot of franchises, you know, kind of have their, their plan and their system and got it. And, and then you assess the team that they have sort of, I don't want to say who's the most important hire that they need to make, but right. who, who is that linchpin that, that they need to focus on? Frequently it, it's a, what I would deem as a manager uh, okay. on, on, on a high level, but that doesn't mean that they are, you know, they have a management degree or that they've managed people before. Yeah. Uh, it's, I should probably switch over to the term point person. Okay. It can be an assistant. It could be, you know, it could, I mean, I don't think it could be a VA technically, but just somebody who is kind of seeing the whole picture. Um, and frankly, a lot of the success we've had is actually either identifying or hiring that person and then us working with that person. I actually don't work with the leaders. My most successful clients have not been working as much with the leaders beyond the paradigm shift. Yep. And then helping them see that someone else can execute for them and push a report to them, push production numbers to them. And they love it. It's really what they wanted all along anyway. They just don't, don't, they don't, it's a don't know what you don't know. They don't yeah. know what to ask for. And once they have it, you know, it becomes addicting. They want it. That that's actually a danger that we see is people come out of production. You know, they want to completely come out of production, and sometimes financially, that's that's not, not, not the right move. Yeah. So, okay, this is getting clearer to me. You let's focus on that assistant or point person. Do you then look at systems and figure out like what should stay and what should go, and then what kind of reporting they should do, like? You're training that person. What does that look right. like? Yeah, very, very much. It's typically um, systems first. Okay. Uh, and similar to any good management style, you don't come in and start changing everything. Yeah. Uh, very often there are some things that work. And some of this is taken from the assessment. You know, what do you love about the company? What do you not like about the company? You know, nine times out of 10, we have to log into this and log into that. And we have to update this and we have to do, you know, that's a lot of the feedback that we get up front. Yeah. And so, you know, what's 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 ironic about it is a lot of times it is just simplifying. Got you it. know, people over time have picked up different pieces of software, different ideas, uh, you know, layered some things on top of each other that maybe, um, you know, they, they don't think about. It. And it is a day to day. And s some of the beauty of it is coming from that third party perspective. 
Yeah. And I think I think that's something that's really, really lacking in the business. You know, whether it's your broker, uh, I think we'd all be really smart to pull in a friend who's not in the business every now and then and tell them, you know, try to give them our elevator pitch. <laughs> be like, why do you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, very interesting. So let's take this down a level. So let's talk about agents for a moment, which is, Hey, clearly we have to assume that most people get into, you know, being a real estate professional or, you know, getting great designation as being a realtor because they want to make money and provide for themselves. How should they be thinking about creating a, like a foundation to grow? Yeah, I think it starts with, with what we talked about initially a little bit. It's just having your, some sort of, of online presence that makes sense. Um, you know, obviously collecting a database, whether it is, you know, people that you've, you've known forever or have, and people overcomplicate that too. You know, the CRM argument is always such a, such a tricky one, but you know, there's a lady in Atlanta. We love to have her on, on panels here because she literally, her CRM is literally a piece of paper. Yeah, and she doesn't work weekends. And what she does is, you know, every Monday she sits down, she starts calling her list, makes a note, flips the page, calls the next person. You know, people are astounded. Like, what? Like, you don't, you don't use paperless this and DocuSign that and all. She's like, yeah. no, I, I call people and I sell houses. So, you know, I think people get lost in that, and I think. Um, you know, being, being able to be found, yeah. developing a list of people that know and trust you. And then ultimately, obviously you've got to bring in new blood to that. But, um, you know, just, just that foundational element, I, I, you know, people, people get into this business to be entrepreneurial, but, you know, for various reasons that they, they seem to reinvent the wheel every time instead of, you know, doing the clear fundamentals of what's ultimately a, a people business. Yeah. Well, I mean, most businesses are not any different, which is you've got to make a decent product and then right. you actually have to, you know, make yourself known in the world and then you've got to sell. Right. <laughs> you well, you know, to, yeah. Right. And again, I mean, how many books could you read that tell you you need a, uh, you know, a unique value proposition or a mission statement or, yeah. you know, any of those things? And, and that is part of the 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 pain of being independent is that people and typically they're not the personality style that's real. Uh, introspective or, you know, want to stop and, okay, I'm going to write a business plan. Or if they do write a business plan, it's, you know, 27 pages and it has this and we're going to do that. And we need these people and, you know, it becomes, it becomes uh, an albatross, right? It's it's paralysis by analysis. You know, they never, they don't know where to start because they've created this monster, uh, you know, before there's even a, a business to be had. So you mentioned something earlier, which is, Hey, a you know, a broker that's looking to transition to the next level often makes the decision to move out of production maybe too early. How do you, like, how should they be thinking about this? Because it it sounds like it's an, it seems to be perceived as an all or nothing. Like, Hey, I'm in production. I'm like the rainmaker here, but now I I want to grow my business. So I walk away from that. What are the pitfalls and what, how should people think about it? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And more often than not, the solution has actually, uh, strangely enough, been, one or two of the people on the team who actually, you know, take that advice and say, Hey, I'm going to go to lunch with the, the owner or the leader, or I'm going to, you know, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Or, Hey, yeah, I'll take that open house for you. I mean, a lot of it is still, um, you know, so, so to answer the first part of the question, you know, a lot of it is 
the leader being comfortable enough to start handing some of that business over. Yeah. And you know, the reality of it is, is I, I tell, I'll tell the owners very frequently, you know, this is multiplication. If you can get five people doing the same business as you, then that's more money than you are making. Do, you know, you're at your ceiling. Yeah. And you know, if you can get more people doing that, the problem is they don't know how to go. Getting to one is a huge step. Yeah. Going from one to five is, you know, almost insurmountable without, I think some sort of guidance or introspection or something. Yeah. But ultimately the real success stories have been, you know, that one or two kind of agents. And I've had it happen with new agents, to be fair. I've had brand new agents really step it up and just say, Hey, I'm, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, can I hold that open? Hey, you know, can I show your buyers if you're, if you're busy or can I, you know, just take uh, something that, off of your plate? That's great. Let's go, let's go dive into that for a second. Because when I was in the business and I started, I ran every open house that I possibly could. Right. Right. And I got so many listings and made so many sales from open houses because no one else wanted to sit. Right. I mean, it yeah. seems like those, those fundamentals are often lost on folks, but it, to me, it was just like hustle, right? You just like right. show up. Yeah, it's it's logging hours with people. That's yeah. what I usually say. Just log hours with people. And yeah, open houses. I mean, what a and, and people. I'm glad you mentioned the listing side of it because people really miss that opportunity. You know, I hear people complain that oh well, we had you know a bunch of neighbors stopped in. It was terrible. Yeah. I'm like wow, really? You had a bunch of homeowners in your, you know, that that met you face to face that see your sign in the yard, or maybe somebody oh, else's sign. So but, let me so let me tell you what I did. I would make real iced tea with fresh mint and I would make real lemonade. Actually, I would cheat a little bit. I would buy lemonade <laughs> and squeeze fresh lemons into it nice, and slice nice. lemons in it. And when the neighbors would come over, I would go, wow, you have an amazing house. I'd love to come see it. Right. And that was it. That was my pitch. I didn't have anything <laughs> That's else. Perfect. That's perfect. That's brilliant. They'd, but they'd give me their name and their number right. and they'd invite me over and I just walk around and marvel at what they did with their house right. and all their collections. And, right. and then I'd go, you ever think about selling this house? Right. And that was it. That was, you know, that was my thing. <laughs> I didn't amazing. have, I didn't have anything else, but that was, uh, that was my start. And, but uh, you had a thing. I mean, you said yeah. it yourself. You had a thing. That's all that thing. matters. That's all I knew how to do. I'd seen someone else do it. And I was like, I think I can do that. Right. Well, and that that that's a great point. It's not it's usually not having the perfect plan. It's having a plan. Yeah. And the perfect plan's never going to come, you know, magically first. I tell people this about hiring a lot too. People will hire somebody, you know, and one, they're not that good at hiring yet because they haven't done it before. Yeah. And, you know, similarly, they usually bring on somebody new or you know, it just, it doesn't always work the first time. And I hate to say that. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, but people are a bit of a stepping stone. And if I feel like if, if the newer agent gets some education out of that and the person doing the hiring gets better at hiring or, you know, more often finds what they don't want, yeah, which is, you know, so, so much more often the case is determining what you don't want or where you don't want to go. Uh, than having this magical, perfect plan. But, you know, as long as it benefits everybody, I think if you take advantage of them, then you're taking advantage of them. Like yeah. that's not, you know, no good will come from that. So you are heavily involved in realtor education. You're the chair of the YPN network at the Atlanta Board of Realtors. Yes. Um, tell me why you participate. I always, I ask this question often. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's, it's a very interesting 
I don't know if I don't know if I go as far as to say it's polarizing, but you know, people people are either really in and really excited about doing it, or they have no idea of the value. Yeah. Um, for me, ultimately, it, it is it, it's probably well, it's twofold. For me, it's certainly an amazing networking opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I'm friends with all the top brokers and agents in Atlanta because they're all involved there too. Yeah. You know, we're all making decisions together and and hanging out. And yeah, I mean, you know, does it technically overtly benefit me financially? I mean, it'd be difficult to measure. Yeah. But you know, the relationships are amazing. And and for me ultimately, you know, I come from a bit of an education background and and actually the year before I, I chaired the professional development committee, which is the uh, you know, brings the education um, you know, CE and non-CE classes. And I, I just think it's important, you know, if we're going to raise the bar in this industry, we're probably not going to do it by complaining on Facebook. You yeah. know, you need to yeah. help some people out. You need to show, you know, show them some tips and techniques or at the very worst, just say, hey, you know, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how's it going? I know you're new to the business. What's going on? So that's another thing that's exciting to me about YPN is to be I'm in a strange category where I probably got in a little bit younger than at least the average age. I didn't yeah. get in, you know, a super young, but, um, you know, I'm in a unique category where I'm young enough to be attached to that group, but I'm also old enough to have done get some along. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And be connected. And I'm actually on the board, uh, for the board of directors. And, you know, so I am, I'm in an interesting kind of middle space, Yeah, which I really love. I love kind of being the bridge maybe between all those voices that that's really exciting to me. Very cool. Um, so where do you look for inspiration? Good question. I, I do a fair amount of reading. Um, you know, I'm really into, I don't want to say non-real estate books, but you know, but books like Blue Ocean Strategy, um, 168 Hours by Laura Vanderkam is an amazing book um, about kind of segmenting your time or where you put those time blocks matters. And obviously as somebody, you know, into strategy, you know, that's a good one. You know, another thing is between, you know, podcasts and iTunes university, uh, you can, you can learn anything. You can learn how to build a jet plane if you wanted to. <laughs> so true. Uh, so I spoke not long ago in San Francisco and Gary V was on before me, which, you know, I don't recommend to most people <laughs> yeah. to go on after, but he had this great thing. He was like halfway in his talk. He was like, okay guys, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to give you a great website. Uh, I want you to write this down. It's, um, it's, uh, uh, G O O G L E dot com. <laughs> like, and then he like screams, you know, people, right. all of this stuff, you can right. figure it out. Like Google it, read it and try it. It's like yeah. that simple. Well, that is, it's, it's the execution and it's the measuring. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big piece that's missed is people, you try it. it I liken it a lot of times to, you know, the real estate farming. Yeah. People send out one postcard and they go, oh, it didn't work. Yeah. You know, it's like, did you really think that somebody was going to get your postcard in the mail having never heard from you ever and just call you? Yeah. Yes. You know, you got to have a plan behind that and you got to be able to measure that plan reasonably, you know. Yeah. And again, is it branding? Is it marketing? Is it lead gen? I mean, those are ultimately, I think they're different things. I, yeah, I can probably argue. No, no, you're 100% correct. I mean, marketing is a very broad term. And then there are different goals within your marketing on what you're trying to achieve. And, right. you know, I think branding certainly fits into that, which is, you know, general awareness. And then marketing in the sense of, hey, you've got people in the funnel, 
you know, we'll just break down a simple sales funnel, people that sort of don't know you and aren't necessarily in the market to buy what you have to offer. And then there are people that are in market, but they don't know you and you need to nurture those folks. And then there are people that are in your sphere that are ready to buy and you need to figure out how to market those. And you can't do it all at once, but you need to pick. So you're spot on there. Right. Well, and another another great source uh, of inspiration that I feel like I always kind of forget about, and and maybe it's because I'm so close to it, is just being connected, whether this is through a board or whether it's, you know, on, on a bigger level, just being connected to people who are out there doing it. You know, yeah. I look I look at the list of people that have, have done this podcast and and you know, I th- I'm very lucky to know a, a good majority of them and, yeah. and certainly the rest of them are people that, you know, I'm going to say, "Hey, are you are you going to Inman next year? Are you going to this conference? Will you be here?" and, you know, "Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee?" cuz yeah. that I mean, talk about there's no better place for inspiration than to see, you know, people that you know or want to know executing and doing something cool, you know, yeah. and there's, there's so much, there's so much room You know, people want to be entrepreneurial in the space. There's so much room for cool stuff, Yeah, yeah. you know, and nine times out of 10, I don't want to do what they're doing. Like it hurts me when I hear them say, you know, you know, like with Dale's podcast with you, you know, I wrote every day for 365 days. I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> That's awesome that you did it, but you will not catch me doing that. But you know, the, the thing that I find valuable is it's the concept so, you know, remove the number of days or the consistency right. or who did it. But the concept is he put a bunch of energy into creating this right. amazing asset right. that would be very difficult for anyone else to do in a short period of time. So he right. built a defendable asset right. and it's now paying him dividends almost, you know, seven years later right. still. Well, you and I both know Dale and that suits his personality. Yeah. Which doesn't is, suit my personality necessarily. If I did that, you know, people would be like, well, that's cool that you did that, but <laughs> wouldn't, I wouldn't have pegged you for that guy, you know? Yeah. Well, very awesome. I'm uh, so honored to chat with you. I love what you're doing. Um, look forward to following your stuff. Where can people find out more about you? So our website is AmplifiedSolutions.co. That's right. .co. And uh, we definitely provide some material there that people can, you know, kind of kind of pull off and, and, you know, hopefully it'll help. We have some some goal sheets and working on a bit of a strategic plan, you know, that people can find. Because I am passionate about helping people, you know, at, at that micro level or people new to the business. Yeah. Um, you know, really at a level where they're maybe not ready to hire us. Awesome. But, um, you know, awesome. we're trying to raise the bar. That's great. Thanks so much, Lee. All right. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.